Welcome you back to the White Bikini. And joining me today is my co-host, Nicholas Banton. How are you, Nicholas? I'm great, Marie. It's good to be with you once again. Today is Tuesday, January 31st, 2023. And the first thing I have to say is fly, Eagles, fly. I am excited. The Eagles are going to the Super Bowl and they're going to win the Super Bowl. You hear that, guys? Breaking news. Details at 11. An old-fashioned saying is you're jumping on the bandwagon. I am yeah, jumping I on the bandwagon. Things. Yeah, I bet your ankles are all wrapped up. What does that mean? I mean, your ankles are all wrapped up from jumping on that bandwagon. Oh, 100%. Probably I'm probably going to go out and buy an Eagles jersey, which is bad. And it's also quite a commitment. You know how much those things are now? You know what? God bless them. I think it's great for the city. I'm excited no matter what the outcome. People are talking. It's something that's bringing the Philadelphia community together and I'm all in. Amen. Let's do it. Let's go birds. We are starting Black History Month a little early. Traditionally, February is Black History Month, so we are a day early. But keeping with the excitement regarding Philadelphia, I've been wanting to speak about this gentleman for a few months now. And in today's episode, we're going to discuss your fave trash man, Tarl Hagler, the Philadelphia sanitation worker who is currently running for Philadelphia City Council. I find him a breath of fresh air, someone younger, someone that's actually walked the walk and is talking the talk. How did you feel about him, Nick? Absolutely impressed with this guy. 31 years old or thereabout. And as you said, he works as a sanitation worker Monday through Friday. And then on the weekends, he goes out with his community and he tries to improve his neighborhood by picking up one can, one piece of paper at a time. And I think that speaks to, you know, Philadelphia suffers in many ways from poverty and crime. But I think it also suffers from a spirit, a lacking spirit of community. And I think this is one way that you can build community. If you go outside your door and you walk around your neighborhood and you pick up trash, you're going to be invested in keeping your community clean. You're going to be invested in your your neighbor's property. Your neighbors are going to be invested in your property. And by extension, you know, the community will be invested in one another. And I think this is a simple thing we can do. I agree. And I feel... And I don't want to drag any past or present mayors of Philadelphia, but I feel like they always lived in the suburbs. I I think for them, it's an administrative thing. You know, I think they see themselves as separate and apart from the people. And I think it's important to see someone coming up from the grassroots who, as you aptly stated, you know, walk the walk, talks the talk, and is out there trying to make a difference, involving himself, his family, reaching out to council members. It's, It's important. I think it's important. I think this is why people are apathetic in America largely is because I think the politicians are almost like wardens and the people are their charge. Aptly stated, and I 100% agree. And I want to go into a brief history of who he is and what he wants to change in Philadelphia. He's a North Philadelphia native. He started talking trash online a little over two years ago. Now he wants to take that talk directly into city politics. As we just stated, better known as your fave trash man, Hegler has declared his candidacy for city council, announcing his plans to run 
for an at-large seat in the 2023 Democratic primary. He has never shied away from the spotlight. I thought this was interesting. He graduated from the High School of Creative and Performing Arts, trained at Freedom Theater on North Broad Street, and was Philadelphia's dance company Dance for Nia's first male member. I think that's that interesting. Is fantastic. That is, that's a guy who's, uh, I think you can call him a renaissance man of sorts. You know, someone who does, you know, broaches the gender lines, broaches some of the stilted community relations or relationships. This is what the city needs. There are too many old people running for these old jobs and I celebrate what he's doing. He became a parent at age 22. He decided to start looking for a steady job, even if it took him out of the arts, which I'm sure wasn't it. And 22 is young, in my opinion, to be a parent. Absolutely, I, I would agree with that. He applied to be a sanitation worker, doing other work. He waited on a long list of applicants. And finally, in December 2019, how close to the pandemic can you get? He got hired and let four months later, the pandemic hit. And what started his passion is on his daily routes. He saw frustration among residents over late trash pickups because it's hard to remember. Don't you remember all those stories yes. that the trash wasn't being picked up? Yes, yes. I mean, and all the cities, not just Philadelphia, New York City had mountains of trash in Midtown Manhattan. So, yes, I, I remember it. And I think, didn't he start communicating with some of the, uh, the community members and saying, hey, you know, we might be late, but we're coming. And I think he that was said, a meaningful change. Well, he said, he's been quoted as saying that I had no choice but to try to be a liaison. I felt like it was God's call of my life to speak up at that moment and bring a different perspective to the city of Philadelphia. And, and I, I'm actually, I, it's great. It's fantastic. I don't, I know also, I think sometimes we just don't realize how important these people are. The people that go around picking up your trash, how vital they are. You know, it's, it's almost like the food in the supermarket. We don't realize that if one truck is late, your neighborhood supermarket is pretty much a giant empty space. And it's the same thing with sanitation workers. If they miss a week of work, I mean, raccoons are basically feasting in your front yard. So, you know, it's vital work. I'm embarrassed to say this, but I'm going to say this probably right after the new year, like all the trash fell on the weird days mm -hmm. and I had trash piled up and I was like, oh my God, I usually put it out the night before, whatever. I ran out and I was one of those crazy people when they were in front of my house running the can down and the guy looked at me and I said, I'm really sorry, but guess what? He stopped the truck that was pulling away as they should have. He waved them, yeah. they stopped and I said, thank you forever. And guess what? I've never been late again and I'm usually not late, but the fact that he stopped and waved them, I was really startled. He took that minute like, okay, yeah. you know what? It's okay. And I don't do, I've never done it again. You know what, I hate to say it, but like, you know, especially living here on the main line, I think sometimes we we just don't really respect what these men and women do and how important their work is. I'm not trying to gas them up. I think your anecdote is apropos to this conversation. They are truly vital to how the city survives and how and how people function. A clean city is a functioning city. Yeah, and I was talking to someone yesterday that a client, also a friend, that was mentioning they're moving to Puerto Rico, how inexpensive it is. And I said to him, I said, you know, be careful. I said, because you're paying taxes and that country is probably great until mm -hmm. the electrical grid crashes again. As a Jamaican, as someone who grew up in rural Jamaica, I can attest to that firmly. Property taxes were extremely low 
and they're extremely low because the government provided no vital services. They didn't have the equipment, they didn't have the manpower, and they certainly didn't have the budget to provide the basic services. So what did we do, especially in the country? We gathered our trash and we burned it in pits. In retrospect, that's actually pretty harmful because God knows what was in those. I mean, this was like the, the 80s, 90s, you know? So we were throwing plastic bags and uh, cans of Raid and God knows what else into those open pits and just burning them because we didn't have a better option. So, you know. No, I actually was kind of channeling you when he said it because I think he was kind of bad-mouthing Philadelphia and I wasn't having any of it. Puerto Rico is a beautiful country. I Amen. respect it. But I wanted him to realize you're you're it's cheap because you're not going to get any surfaces. Yes, and that's the way it works. That is the way it works. As someone who's seen both ends of the spectrum, a society that had very little in the way of government infrastructure to a first world country where you pay out the nose for your taxes, the fact is the roads are good to decent, trash is picked up, recycling is an option, sanitations generally speaking, is good. They come around and they vacuum up the leaves off your lawn. They come around and uh, sweep the streets to make sure that the drains aren't clogged. These are things that, you know, for instance, in Jamaica, if there was a really heavy rainstorm, there are no street crews to go around making sure something as basic as that the drains are not clogged. So a, a heavy rainstorm would result in heavy flooding in the in the business district. So these, these small businesses would get wiped out or people just wouldn't be able to gain access to the roads in order to shop at their favorite stores and it's they're these simple things that we ignore we don't even think about but this is where vital government services like your favorite trash men and, and those municipal workers that's why they're they're heroes and, and i'm not saying that glibly it's not a throwaway line i'm sincere about that because i i see the difference i'm picturing i want a picture of baby nick in jamaica burning trash <laughs> well i i mean my, fortunately i had responsible parents and grandparents so like you know i wasn't there you know standing there with a giant match and again and a can of gasoline as a cautionary tale of what not to how not to raise your children the responsible people in my family certainly took care of that but that's that's what we did food waste went to the animals and all the other durable waste products uh were, were disposed of oftentimes in either uh, your own backyard sort of dump area or you burnt it so during the pandemic he launched the new favorite trashman persona on social media and it quickly went viral residents donated thousands of dollars for sanitation worker PPE. The campaign got national attention and with his friend Ariana Queenan, he created a formal nonprofit Trash to Treasures Inc. and his focus expanded from COVID specific problems to local environmental issues more broadly. This is a trash man that's starting his own nonprofit. You know what I was doing? Nothing. I was watching TV and binge watching Reba. Yeah. That's embarrassing. Uh, I think, I'm embarrassed. Well, I think I think sometimes out of any group of people, the leaders emerge and they rise to the occasion. And sometimes the moment defines the man. And I mean that the human, not specifically males. I think that's what we're witnessing with this gentleman. I think he sees the need and I think he has it in him. If you ever watch videos of him being interviewed, you can see that he has the the vitality, the energy, the focus and the drive. And he, it's all congruent. He's committed to what he's doing and he recognizes that he is in a position to make change incremental. I think sometimes we get daunted because we see problems and we want the problem gone yesterday. And I think if you take that mentality, you're bound to either fail 
fail or just burn out before you even try. And I think what he has done based on, you know, some of the research I've done to understand what he's about is that he started where he could. He started close to home, started small and started building out from there. And then he enlisted the community to be partners to support each other. It's that reciprocity that I think that's made him as effective as he has. And he's just got a great personality. Very charming person. He's charming. I like he always wears like different glasses and they're all they're, they're really funky. I was going to say, for those of you trying to picture it, just remember, like if you're a little bit older, like Sally, Jesse Raphael and how her glasses were like signature um, signature accessories. I think. Would you say it's something similar to that? You know what? That's funny because when I saw him, I thought, oh, that reminds me of someone. But it was Sally, Jesse, Raphael, because as we know, everything goes back to the 90s. Amen. 90s forever. <laughs> so what he's hope so that's a brief history of who he is and what got him where to the next step. But this is taken straight from the Philadelphia Citizen. He did have an interview and a couple questions that were asked is how does he plan to do it? And I found this really fascinating and not really ever thinking about trash, honestly, until the pandemic. His intention is to use and improve what he already has in the city and I like that. Stop trying to rebuild trash pickup. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that's it sort of dovetails into what I was saying is that when you try to do something difficult and you go about it, uh, you take the most difficult path to solve that problem. I think that's one of the ways you can almost guarantee failure. So you take the existing infrastructure and you find creative ways to use what you've got to get what you want, to paraphrase the old hip hop song. Go Nick. For example, back to the I can 90s. do stuff. I can do stuff. I know something. Illegal dumping is out of control in Philadelphia, and he would like to use the money that city council member Jamie Gauthier already has in the budget for the streets department, which is 30 million and create an illegal dumping task force. I think that's a great idea. I think it's a great idea. I I hate to say it, but one of the things that, you know, in my commute into Philadelphia, taking the regional rail line, and you can see how for much of the route from the Western suburbs into Philadelphia, the regional rail is actually lower than street level. And you can just see where people over the years have just driven to a dark alley someplace adjacent to the line and just threw their trash over the railing. And it's it's even, some, you know, it's funny we're having this conversation because I, was, I always remembered one of the things that I found stressful living in Jamaica in addition to the heat was the was the, the the lack of proper sanitation. I mean, we had in some of the big cities, you know, rather than rather than sewers running through underground plumbing, we had open sewer water rushing through the gutters alongside the streets. And I, you know, I was, I was a child. It's distressful and distressing to see your environment unclean and untidy. You know, I go back to the theme again that it seems so minor, but it really isn't. I think the spirit of the community, its it affects you. A clean environment impacts a clean spirit. And I'm not, I don't believe I'm overstating that point. I'm going to date myself with this, but I'm going to do it right now. Um, in the 80s and 90s, there was a beloved talk show host named Irv Homer. May he rest in peace. And I listened to him nonstop until WWDB did stop airing local talk radio in Philadelphia which is another podcast. And Irv would always say, no matter where you live, he encouraged people to go out and clean just their front step and in front of their house. And when I was younger, I was like, what's the big deal? Now I know what he meant. You have to take care of your own house. And I think Turl wants to start small. He wants people to start in their own neighborhoods. 
Mm-hmm. We don't we don't have to take on the whole city. Take on your neighborhood. And I just love that. And he has a great idea that the task force that he would like to develop would have its own number for you to call so we don't have to interrupt the Philadelphia police with trash problems. They would be trash cops. And I love it. Yeah, I think illegal dumping is an issue because you know, I think in addition to a task force is I, and I don't know how this would be implemented. It's more like a, a wish list item. A lot of the waste that is illegally dumped is construction waste. And it's not, you know, it's not like giant reams of uh, old sheetrock and roofing tiles. It's basically someone doing a small to mid-sized construction project, they either choose not to or can't afford to get a dumpster and properly dispose of their trash. And that trash either winds up being illegally dumped in another person's um, waste disposal bin, or it winds up alongside the tracks along the regional lines in Philadelphia. So I would love to see that too, but I think that that's a higher order. That's a high order wish. Well, he doesn't stop there. The department would also hire employees to put cameras up in well-known dumping sites. Yes, absolutely. And a team will monitor them to catch people in the act. This would create more than a thousand city jobs and address the problem. And with money that's already been assigned to the streets department. And I think make those videos accessible to the community. If you can log into a city website and you can see, you know, like for instance, you know, when someone gets booked by the the local law enforcement agency, you can actually go and see, you know, who was arrested in your neighborhood. I think it's all about connecting people to one another and and connecting the community to the local environment around them. I think if you can incentivize or focus people's attention to those concerns, you can build improved communities. And what you were saying about cleaning your front stoop reminds me of William McRaven. I think he was a former Navy SEAL. It was at the Annapolis commencement several years ago. He made the comment, make your bed. And I thought that yeah. was such a beautiful thing to say. And it was in the context of improving your life is a very difficult thing. but. Making your bed isn't really a very difficult thing. And if you go out there in the world and you take in all the challenges, you have a bad day at work, you have a bad day with the boss, you you get stuck in traffic, you know, someone bumps your car, dings your door, you come back home and even in the worst of those circumstances, you're coming back to a home, to a bed that is neat, and tidy and it's something that you can control and i think sometimes we don't recognize that we can control the small things because we're so daunted by the task of everything around us we lose perspective and and that cleaning your front stoop kind of riffs with that same idea i could not leave my house without my bed made or i would have to be sedated <laughs> she's not kidding guys i that's the i obsess to get it done right away but i know that it's really a symptom of a bigger problem I'm trying to make my environment better, my life better with the smaller things. Did you make your bed today? Made my bed today. And and don't get me wrong. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I just roll out of bed and start the day. But I know that when I do, I have to be honest, when I do and I come back home and I walk into my bedroom and I see a bed that's been made, it is something oddly comforting about that, that you are able to accomplish something that almost feels like a nuisance sometimes. But, he, he, you know, McRaven is right. You come back home to a made bed. You come back home to a clean porch. You come back home to a, a street that doesn't have old McDonald's wrappers 
festooned along the gutters. It says, it, it speaks to you and it makes you feel a little bit better about life. Even if you've had the most difficult of days, I totally celebrate Terrell's uh, efforts because I, I think it's impactful. And I think if you can't start at this level, if you can't make the small changes at this level, then we're hopeless as a society. And I'm not, I, I'm not hopeless on humanity. I know we have our problems and I know we have our setbacks, but I'm not hopeless. And I think too, if you do find the illegal dumpers, don't find them, put them to work in the city cleaning up. I think that's a brilliant idea. Because the reason why I think so many of these people don't, yes, they're cheap, they don't care, but taking your refuse to a, and getting it properly disposed, is not an easy thing. It's not, let's make the distinction. There is a distinction between justifying an act and explaining an act. And I'm certainly not justifying, I'm trying to explain it because you have to understand that nuance in order to sometimes engage with the problem. And I think when you understand that, sometimes the, the, the illegal dumping is, yes, they're just cheap people who don't care. But a lot of times it's, they just don't know where to take it. And even if they do, it's just prohibitively expensive. If you are struggling to make ends meet and you just can barely afford to like improve your kitchen or put in bathroom fixtures or what have you. And then you have to spend another $300 to dump that stuff. Some people cut corners, but I agree. I agree. I think you put them, make them, make them do community service. Yeah. Put them I think that's well, a great idea. All, clean up their own trash that they dumped. Yeah. Yeah. But past the trash issue, Terrell also is very concerned about the children of Philadelphia, especially pandemic related and, and obviously post pandemic. He does feel that they need alternative learning options for children who don't think and learn like other children, which has been an ongoing conversation in this country for 30 years now. One of his children is on the autism spectrum and he suffered so much without in-person learning and he wants to be focused obviously on the trash but also on marginalized children in the city of philadelphia because you know if you're at lower marine township someone's helping you yeah you know I, the, the ieps for you know special needs students in communities lower marion upper marion Harford townships yes it's not only just the money uh the money is there in some instances but it's the personnel it's the specialists. Um, you know, if you can afford to get a job working with special needs students in one of these communities in the Western suburbs, you're going to take it over working in Philadelphia. And I think that's part of the challenge in addition to everything that we've listed so far. I mean, and we, and this is probably another podcast, all joking aside, but the damage done to any children with mental health problems that were isolated through the pandemic, I don't know the full effect that's going to be happening in the next few years. You know, they got set back so far because a child like that is so marginalized that the smallest setback can set things off forever on the wrong foot. I think it's going to be like everything else in society. The people that are the most vulnerable will hurt the most. And that is just a truism. It's not necessarily an indictment as much as it's just stating the facts of the situation that unless you have perhaps a parent like Terrell who can get in there, get his hands dirty, advocate, advocate, agitate with the authorities, the school district, the agencies to get your kids the resources that they deserve, they need, and the resources, in fact, that they've been 
allocated, it's going to be very difficult because a lot of parents, they just don't know how the system works. And it, it reminds me of the old Japanese saying is that the nail that sticks up gets hammered. Those people who agitate, those people that make noise and fuss and advocate for their children the most are the ones that will reap the benefits. His final, I'm going to say, wish list mantra is he believes, and I agree with him, this all goes back to the community, is that small businesses are the gateway to keeping Philadelphia moving forward. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Carol believes, he believes the more we support small businesses, the more they can support the communities that they are in and shift the paradigms of their neighborhood. Neighborhood. They provide jobs, they provide stability, and people who are working in their communities are not shooting each other over drugs, they're not robbing cars, they are earning an honest living. And it really goes back to small business and community and people coming together, just like over the Eagles. I was talking to a girl yesterday and I was like, oh, something about the Eagles. She, We talked how we agreed that it's something to bring the city together. And if you're in a community and you and I are working together at the local produce stand, we're going to care about what our community looks like. It's going back to old school manners and having pride in one's work. Some of the major Major social institutions have failed us. I think politics, uh, that's failed us. I think we're more ideologically entrenched in our positions. I think religion has failed us in the sense that it functions almost like politics. You have the first church of so-and-so, and they don't agree with the second church or so-and-so. And you have this massive divide, this massive schism within religious communities. So aside from sports, I think the only thing that could perhaps bridge that divide is to bring people into a common purpose, a, a, a system in which they benefit. So I'm reminded during the COVID vaccine rollout, how the city of Philadelphia would provide vaccines based on your zip code. And I don't know if the system is, there's a system in place for this, but I was wondering, I was thinking, I was imagining if there was, if there were community incentives, tax incentives for people who live in the community, if they would get some sort of tax break so that they could either buy or fix up their property, if they happen to own that property in that neighborhood, if they could get some incentive to hire people within certain zip codes to work on those projects. I think that's part of what, what we need to do. I mean, the suburbs exist because government invested in people moving out of urban communities. You know, we're talking about Levittown, for instance. And I think we can still do that. We can still use government as a tool to empower people. I agree. And I always go back to, I worked for, and you did too, an employer called Strawbridge and Clothier. And at the time, I didn't appreciate, but the Strawbridge family, granted, they lived in Bryn Mawr, they live in Haverford. They did have a beautiful flagship store in Philadelphia. But that was that sense of community. They cared that their employees were happy, well cared for because they lived in the area that they were employing people. Today, people hide behind that higher level of corporate. So there's not that connection and civic pride that I think we need to get back to, to elevate Philadelphia back to where they were. And the city needs leaders. I think the city needs 
leaders like Terrell Heigler. That's that's part of it too. I, you know, much of the pieces are in place. I, I understand that someone living in the city of Philadelphia is like, nope, that's not true. And I, I'm not going to argue that point in terms of budget, in terms of the infrastructure, the sort of the communications infrastructure to, and the responsiveness that you would need between the community and government. But I'm speaking in, in a global in a global sense. The city needs leaders. And and I think that's one of the issues is that leadership is hard. And I think it's so easy to get yourself a position in city government making six figures and you just kind of work around the edges. Election time, you go around and you glad hand and you slap backs and kiss babies and you just let it ride. But to actually put yourself in a position to get your hands dirty the way Terrell does and bring his own children and bring his community out there, I think that's meaningful. And I think the grassroots effort makes a huge difference. So I celebrate everything he's doing, as I've said before. I hope what he has started spreads. And hopefully, you know, with COVID seemingly behind us, some of those impediments that were an issue over the last two and a half, three years are no longer a factor. And he can progress along the path that I think he has blazed thus far. I know that we're both wishing the best to your favorite trash man. And we're going to follow up because I believe the election's going to be in May. So mm-hmm. I'd like to have a follow up in terms of what happens with him if he mm-hmm. is elected, which I hope he is because I, I do believe, I think we need all people. We need a tarot. We need someone that has, you know, a little more mature. I think all of us with different visions can change. And again, I'm keep using this word, but can elevate the city of Philadelphia back to greatness. We're the only ones who are going to be there to save ourselves at the end of the day. Yeah, I think COVID's changed our opinion and our connection to being so federalized, people realize now when we were running out of eggs, they weren't helping. We were helping each other. And even if they wanted to, the lag time, the latency, you know, by the time an executive order comes from the White House, it's been two, three, four weeks. What was it? The issue with the baby formula? Yes, I, I'm, I'm not anti-government. I'll make it clear. I, I, and I think on previous podcasts, I've stated my politics. I'm definitely left. Make no apologies for that. I'm a progressive. I believe in progressive ideals. I think progressivism has done more to advance the cause of men, women, people of color, gender minorities. I believe in that. And I and I think historically that has been proven out. However, there are things that even if the government intends to do it and has the resources to do it, it just takes time versus empowering local communities to act on their own initiative, which can be faster and more direct. So I support everything that he's doing. I think there's it's about a partnership. It's not about dominance. It's about finding the right balance between state, local and federal. And I think he's the first person to lead us into a new century of thinking in the city of Philadelphia. I Yes, go Terrell. Fly, Eagles, fly. <laughs> All right, who's our sponsor this week, Marie? This week, our sponsor is, keeping with the theme of the Eagles, is Springfield Ale House Delco. Warm friends, cold beer, and hot food. What else do you need? I don't need anything else. Certainly not. 773 West Sprawled Road, Springfield, Pennsylvania. Phone number 484-472-6742. Please follow them on Instagram, Facebook for updated specials, hours. They are expanding into music, but please make sure that you do watch the Super Bowl with the Springfield Alehouse Delco and Fly Eagles Fly. Yes, ma'am. Until next time. Peace out.